Peace, fam. Uh, I'm just passing through. This is the second episode of the Unsocial Media Project, where I'll be discussing anxiety and OCD. And um, actually, I want to kind of go back a little bit because I spoke of, uh, in the last episode, I spoke of rumination. And upon my research, when it comes to anxiety and OCD, rumination is actually a part of that. And it's a deep or considered thought about something. It's, uh, it's actually a silent or underlying disorder which causes OCD and anxiety, and it's a rare form of obsession. So they also include excessive and intrusive thoughts relating to negative feelings or experiences, and it impairs our ability to think or process emotions, which can lead to depression. And I feel like having a better understanding of these underlying issues can definitely help us identify what's going on at the surface level. So what is anxiety? Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease about something with a seemingly uncertain outcome, which in most cases it leads to obsessive compulsion if left unchecked. What is OCD? Obsessive compulsive disorder is the act or state of being forced to do something or in most cases having an irresistible urge to behave a certain way. So when we see these patterns show up in our behavior, what does this look like? My um, my very first anxiety attack was actually just days before I started college. And I was anticipating another culture shock because prior to high school, I was homeschooled and, you know, very secluded area. But um, I so transitioning from homeschool to high school was a culture shock for me. And then making the transition from high school to, to college was going to be another culture shock. And for a lot of people, anxiety attacks start in your stomach which is like your second brain when it comes to any type of imbalance in the body. So that's exactly what I felt when I felt this coming on. And it was followed by the hyperventilation and profuse of sweating, blurry vision sometimes to the point of blacking out. But at the time, like, again, I, I didn't know exactly what I, what I was experiencing. All I knew was that I was really apprehensive about embarking on this new chapter in my life. Um, so the last time I had an anxiety attack was actually several several years ago. And during that time, I was in college. It was during a presentation I was given uh, before my class, which is why it was so embarrassing for me, because as I'm given this this presentation, all the symptoms just start coming on. And I felt so out of control. And to, it got to so severe to the point where I did faint. And at that time, I was experiencing some separation anxiety from my husband who was serving a tour in Iraq. So take that with the compulsion I had to stay busy, to keep my mind busy, which is just another symptom of OCD, you know. And I can always tell when I'm anxious about something. If I feel the need to constantly move around or touch something or move things in my environment, it's, um, it's, it's just another symptom. And I didn't talk to anybody about it at that time because I didn't know how to express what I was dealing with without the fear of judgment from others. So at that time, I thought, I, you know, working three jobs, taking on college courses to keep my mind busy was ideal. But again, this just shows you that if you don't give attention to what troubles you mentally, uh, it can spill over into how our body responds. And I've I've witnessed other people suffer from these attacks, but the most effective way to control anxiety attacks for me was just to breathe, you know, gain control over your breathing pattern. And I know when you're in the progression of having an attack, breathing may be the, the last thing on your mind. So this is why it's mindful for, I mean, it's, it's important for us to, to, to practice mindful breathing. 
um, daily as a, as a personal trainer several years ago, some, some of my clients would actually come in to work out and I would notice that they'd be holding their breath throughout the exercises. And, you know, at the time I didn't understand, you know, why this was so common in a lot of my clients, but as I got to know them and they would open up to me about certain things that they stressed about, I, I, I got to know them a little bit better. And it just made me realize, you know, how common these triggers are in a lot of us. And I had to remind them, you know, the gym is supposed to be an environment for you to relieve your stress or whatever you're carrying. And if your mind is somewhere else during your workout, then you're not really optimizing your time. You're not really giving 100% to your body. So I emphasize for them, you know, as we were going through the workout, I'm reminding them to breathe because breathing carries oxygen to your brain and, and your muscles and it increases your blood flow. So subconsciously, we just forget to breathe sometimes. And it also aids in regulating positive activity in the brain. So uh, I actually began practicing deep belly breathing uh, years ago, you know, and um, that which I found very helpful in in combating my anxiety. Uh, Sometimes it does help to kind of have someone guide you through it um, at first to kind of help you stay focused. Uh, for several minutes a day, it can actually be a guided meditation, which is, you know, something that I, I highly recommend because it works for me. But mindful breathing should be practiced a few minutes out of the day, daily, as you know, as often as possible. So that way, when you do experience situations and environments that you know are more intense than what you're used to, you're already in the process of allowing things to flow naturally. And you're not as affected by these things. So you have a little bit more control over maybe not the situation, but definitely how you respond to the situation. Um, so another condition, actually, I uh, I developed as a result of psychological trauma was anorexia. And as a teenager, I was anorexic for years due to sexual abuse I experienced at a young age, not knowing how to process what I was feeling. And people never really knew I was anorexic because I never lost a significant amount of weight from not eating. But I've gone at most three days without food. And that's that's not healthy at all. However, although I, I don't recommend, I would never recommend this extreme behavior. Coincidentally, I believe that it only strengthened me and conditioned me to be more self-disciplined than most of my peers. Um which is very strange. But for those who don't know, anorexia is actually an emotional disorder and it's characterized by the desire or the desire to, to, to lose weight by refusing to eat. And for me, it was all about my appearance due to the lack of self-confidence I had at that time. So another way um, OCD may affect someone is by not getting closure to certain things, you know, um, in a lot of cases, you know, losing a loved one, depending on how they passed and how close we were to them. Sometimes we ruminate on what we could have done differently to change that outcome, which can cause unhealthy patterns to formulate in the brain as well. And even when it comes to relationships, you know, we, we often feed ourselves the idea that we failed at something if it doesn't yield the result that we desire. And a lot of times it could just be something as simple as it, it just wasn't written for us. You know, it wasn't meant for that situation to play out the way we expected it to. So when these thoughts occur within us, I um I, I think it's imperative that we become present in that moment, you know, and being honest with yourself and ask yourself, you know, how how did I get here? 
what really triggered these thoughts and what can I do to protect myself or become more aware of what I'm experiencing and address it at the root? You know, are my thoughts right now, are they constructive or are they destructive to me right now? And a lot of times the answer is yes. You know, is there something of more nutritional value um, I can be feeding myself right now? And whether we feed ourselves food through the mouth, through our ears or through our eyes, it all has an impact on the body, you know, and just reaffirm to yourself, too, that everything happens as it should. You know, learning to speak healing over your life is is very important. You know, learning to speak healing over your life the way you would expect someone else to, you know, e- express healing for you, you know, and practice the art of being present daily. Be here now. And I feel like subsequently our thoughts about what hasn't happened yet or what may never happen will contribute to how we allow things to in our lives to just take their natural course. So um, I have another piece Uh, I want to leave you guys with. For those, again, who don't know, I I write as a form of therapy. I paint as a form of therapy. So this one is actually kind of a combination of both. Uh, This piece is called Self-Medicating. My muse is my therapist, but it seems I've fallen into addiction. I self-medicate with lines, dyes, symbols, pencils, rhythm, and repetition. I get carried away during our sessions. I lose myself illustrating confessions, spilling over the edges of my canvas, coloring outside the lines. My therapist tells me, come back tomorrow because today we've gone overtime. I overdose on the substance and forget to come up for air. I could go missing for days, not missing a thing, and these days I don't care. Because the truth ain't ever pretty. But the purge is always enchanting. There's no prescription for what to do when the music in my head stops playing, but the paintbrush continues dancing. So I seek no resolution. I've accepted this for what it is. Some people die inside, masking their pain in exchange for acceptance, call me crazy, but I'd rather live.